This episode was brought to you from our newest podcast client, Miss Danielle Valines and Growing a Now Generation. You can go to growinganowgeneration.com. Thank you, Danielle, for being a part of the team. Hello, everybody. This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth. If you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast, contact me, Sean Barksdale. You can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text. Or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com. And remember, we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast. What's your truth? That's what, they, that's what they do when you're in the false home. They throw you in a whole other lifestyle. Bro, we about to really dig into that because I got a young youngin alright I think I may have been telling you he in a gang okay. right now he really want to get out he's 17 his mother passed away okay his father in and out the joint right and uh, he, he heard me speak at his school he latched on to me and you know he talks to me all the time but he's a foster kid okay I just found out though he didn't know the woman you know, she just, you know, when we're going to talk about the money side, too. But he was like, yo, she was nice at first, but she be dogging me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, dang, man. You know what I mean? But So this is why we need to have this conversation. So, um, okay, so, because I remember uh, before I went upstate. You've been upstate before. Yeah, right? yeah. So I went to Barrett, Beaumont, you know what I'm saying? But I remember I was 17, and I just had a good lawyer, and I had a dope charge. And... Um, they spared me being tried as an adult. Okay. Right? So I ended up going to um, the joint in Danville. A Baird, something like that. No, no, no. The the the, the uh, actual group home is WW Mo. Okay, okay. I heard You know it. what I I'm saying? It, yeah. So I was up there for before they sent me upstate. And that 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 experience, that experience, <laughs> which we say it, prepares you. Yeah, it's definitely. You know, it prepares you for other institutions. Yeah, and mind you, I went upstate at age 13, turning right. 14. So I right. was fast-tracked through everything that you're saying. And right. So I had to. Right. I, I, as I look back, I can't say I was never content with my situation. I just knew, like, I looked at it like, I'm here. What, what, I got to do something. I can't just right. sit here and mope right. and be idle in my situation. Right, right, right. Um. So, so the first time you went into a group home, how was you? Uh, man, I think this was a place in Lynchburg called uh, Bridges or something like that. Okay, I had to been. I, I remember the grade and the tennis shoe that came out. Uh, right, the, the Pippins was out. The ARs on the side. The up tempos. I think I was in like the fourth grade. Okay, so whatever, uh, however old the fourth grader might be. That's okay. how old I was. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's young. I, I was in the fourth grade. That's yeah. young. That's young. And it throws you into a situation that, you know, uh, you, you if you're not on a grown-up level, you got to get grown quick. Yeah, and it, it started to become normal to me. Like, I knew, like, when I came in, I got my, my linen, go take a shower, mm. make my bed, set wow. my put my pictures up how I want to. It became wow. routine over time. And that's the same thing you do when you go to jail. Right. Go to prison. It's like right. it's it's just different security levels. You know exactly. That's all exactly. It is. And we had that conversation. Like, do you think that it prepares you for prison? Most definitely. Most definitely. Whether it's indirect or direct, it definitely prepares you for the routine and not having control of right. yourself. Right. The structure. Yeah. The structure. Indeed. It's oh. an illusion of, of freedom, but it's really not because you can't leave them group homes. See the door right there, but you right. can't leave. You, you can't go, leave. You know That's I mean? right. So it's an illusion. That's right. And 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 um. And everything has a good and bad side to it because I know myself, like going upstate myself and being from 
a more a, a well country environment and now I'm around dudes in DC and Maryland and you know what I'm yeah. saying and now it's a, you know it's a different flavor <laughs> and dudes got different styles with them and exactly. like I remember that was the first time I actually met dudes in gangs like okay, real yeah. bloods crips you know what I'm saying and they were serious we was kids but I yeah. was like yo they you know what I mean? yeah they was for real you know what I'm saying and they took it very serious man and it's just a whole different world yeah. that 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 you um you're involved in, right? And it was crazy about the state not to interrupt you, but like you I said, um, my grandfather pretty much showed me everything he know. But like he was an older guy, like he tucked his boxes in his underwear, type mm -hmm. stuff like that. He brushed his hair to the back. Right, right, right. So when I went upstate, I was, I was 13, 14 years old. Mind you, you see my hair now. I never knew I could get waves right, until right. I went upstate. That's how, that's how I <laughs> that's actually, how like, yeah. But I felt like yeah. that, that also um, yeah. reverberates, goes back to me not having a fa my father father, mm. you know, somebody else who can really be in there. Because that's a... That's a that's a big generational gap between my grandfather and me. So, like I said, he still was doing everything different, wearing his pants all the way up. To, right. You know, so right, right. I, I remember you saying he first person who taught you how to tie a tie. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And and I know that when because my great grandfather was like that. He was the step in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Till he passed away, so on and so forth, man. So um. All right. So institutions. Uh, did they put you on any type of medication when you was in the institute? But of course, man, they put me on all type of depressants and antipsychotics. They had me on, um, they said I was depressed. They said I was bipolar. They said I was a uh, homicidal. This was in your file. This, this was in my file. This was in my pre-sentence report. Talk like, about like, them files, man. People man, don't know. Listen, I got my pre-sentence report in, what, 2005 before I got sentenced. And okay. like, this stuff, they really tried to mention it in court. I'm like, listen, man. I'm, oh, you was an adolescent? Yeah, yeah, when I got my time, before I started wow. my 10-year bid, I was 18, 19 years old. I'm like, listen, the things you're talking about started when I was seven. It went up to one on to I was like around like 14, 15. I stopped catching little petty charges right. then. You know, once once I got like 15, 16, got a smell of myself. But right. they bring all that stuff up and they they say stuff is like we have spent enough money on on this person. We have put enough time into this wow. person, and they, they make you like um disposable. Wow, or, or, or things of that nature. But um. Like I say, it's it's just a it's just a long history. I just had to see so many doctors and things of that nature. They put you on medicine that, me personally, I don't like not being me. Right. And right. I remember I had took some type of medicine. It's like a tranquilizer in me, and I just wanted to get up and run over there. But mentally, I just I, I saw myself doing it. But, but like, but it. physically, I was just stuck. And I just how was like, you like this time? I was like 15. Wow. I like, and it's a, that's what they do. They just, they literally, they, wow. they pump these kids full of uh, tranquilizers. They dope these kids up. They, they, they sedate them and they're not themselves. And so then how can you expect somebody to grow and bloom right. and be right. something positive when you got them stuck in a right. sunken place? Right. That's how I felt. Like I did. And I never took pills ever again. I know that's right, you man. Know? I mean, especially when you used to, uh, being like that being a certain way yeah absolutely I, it, it, it's nothing worse than feeling out of place in your own body it's nothing worse than feeling like you're not yourself or you can't be yourself right, right. You know? um, how old was you when you started boxing sheesh I started kind of late um, it was like 98 so I didn't get the early start at 7, 8, 9 I was probably like about 10, 11 okay yeah. okay that's still young though yeah well 98 hold on 98 I was 12 I was about okay. 12 yeah but. about 12 so what was that how did that transition happen for you oh man I just it was just somebody used to see like Sugar Ray and stuff like that. I had right. the little gloves and stuff, and I right. wanted to box. Um, my homeboy did it. They had a little gym in Roanoke um, under the football stadium, Victory right. Stadium. So we started off like that. I did that off and on, but I never really took it serious. I had a big gap in it mm. until like I got until like 2002, 2003. Okay. You know, we had a black-owned um, gas station. Okay. 
and um he's so he's so happy to be on the gym his brother um for um sunny lesson oh wow so, yeah so um I end up getting into a little altercation out there. He see me, whatever, tell me, come on down to the gym. You know what I mean? So I'm right. just thinking he's blowing smoke. But I go down there, we we develop a beautiful relationship, and I just fell in love with the sport, the science, the art. It was just something about um, when that bell ring, it's just me and you. It's, it's, it's right. nobody. It's just, right, right. It's just something. Um, I, I think now that I look back at it, I, I was I, boxing was what I was. It fulfilled me in the point that I used to do things for attention, or do things for recognition or to prove myself because I always felt like I really wasn't worth it. Right. So when I was in, when I was in the ring, it's just me and the other person. Like man, it just yeah, I can yeah. I can show off. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> just me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'm, this right, this, this right, is my right. word. I felt like I was in right. a whole other world. So right. that kind of it kind of put me on a different path. Right. But unfortunately, I was wasn't able to keep my hands all the way out the street. Right, because I know like you know us. Um, I remember I remember one particular time. It was a Sunday. And me and you was in the basement. <laughs> and it was just us. It wasn't yeah. nobody else. It was like the Apollo Rocky joint. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that, man. But, you know, like you said, because um, I always loved boxing, but I didn't learn boxing until I went to prison. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah, I was old. You know what I'm saying? And whatnot. But it was fulfilling. But, you know, when you're in those situations of, of, of tension and stress like we were in, it was a relief. Exactly. It exactly. was a relief, man. So, you know, saying that, man, um, was that why you was good at it? Um, I can say that. Like I say, I felt free. Right. And it was times when, when I say what I mean by that is when I be used to be around my family, I used to always feel like I was the black sheep because mm -hmm. of my mother's situation okay. or what she had going on. So okay. I used to feel like I had to be somebody else. Gotcha. I used to go to school and um, I might not have had this, that and the third. So I used to feel like I had to be somebody else. Right. So when I was in the ring, I'm like, when I do when I'm in the ring, I'm me. Right. I'm free. Like this right. is my expression. That was my right. art. So right. that's why I feel like I might have excelled a little bit in it because I just. Okay. It, it it was it it allowed me to be me, which is right. so important. Right, right. Um, so you know, uh, I had to put that in there because I, I think that was an intricate part of your you know your history, bro. This episode was brought to you from our newest podcast client, Miss Danielle Valines, and Growing a Now Generation. You can go to GrowingAnowGeneration.com. Thank you, Danielle, for being a part of the team. If you'd like to become a sponsor or advertise on 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast, contact me, Sean Barksdale. You can reach me at 434-446-6633 or shoot me a text. Or you can reach us at 10minutesoftruth.com. And remember, we'll always provide a platform for your truth on the 10 Minutes of Truth Podcast. What's your truth? <laughs>